Welcome to the Intended Blessing Podcast, hosted by William and Emma Lee Stanton. This podcast is intended to be a blessing to its viewers, as we focus on the blessings God intended in theology, marriages, and everyday life. We pray this podcast honors the Lord, edifies the saints, and causes some laughs along the way. So let's get to it. Welcome back to episode three of the Intended Blessing Podcast. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about toxic babyhood. We're going to be talking about aggressive character traits in babies and stereotypical character baby traits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, his grumpy nature. We're going to be nailing him to a wall of all of his sinful actions (laughs) actions <laughs> all that he does um today while we were writing up um our outline for our podcast um emma had her pen and she was writing on the paper and asaph was on her lap and asaph grabbed the paper and ripped an entire page out just but right ripped down it in middle. a half so all of the words are like spread out so i had to retape the page <laughs> yeah that's not what we're going to be talking about today no <laughs> um so at the beginning of our episodes, we want to be giving a story just to help us loosen up and get ready to talk and relax. Um, but this story, we were trying to think of a story that would be relevant to what we're talking about, about dangerous men and um, what scripture has to say about it and what the world has to say and um, how to know what is true and right and good to do so we thought of a story that would go along with this podcast and it's a very somber sad awful story but it is a true story so in the beginning of our marriage um i was very liberal in my understanding of scripture i went to a bible college with a bunch of um different views and different people having different understandings of scripture and one that I left with and kind of was holding to was I didn't know what it was to protect. I didn't see protecting your family as something that a man was commanded to do. And I even told Emma at one point that if a man broke in and I had a gun to shoot the man, that I would not shoot to kill because immediately when I shot to kill someone, then I would be sending him to hell. And I didn't want to be responsible for sending anyone to hell by killing a theft. So I didn't feel that I had... Oh, no, it wasn't a theft. The, or, the, you know, yeah, yeah if someone was coming theft, in... We would kill for... Just to, just to clarify that, too. Yeah, to clarify... Yeah. You remember the story better than I do. What did I say? I... So I just don't feel to think that we'd kill someone just for stealing our clothes or something. <laughs> That's kind of what it sounds like. That's definitely a totally different line. Uh-huh. Um, but no, the question was, I asked you back when the government was talking about taking people to camps and stuff like that. And I asked you that if someone was coming in to take me to a camp or if someone was coming in to either rape or kill me, would you kill them? And you said you didn't know. You said you didn't know if that was biblically right to kill them since I would go to heaven anyways. Right, yeah. And that's awful, you know, like to not protect your household because you feel as though that you would thwart God's plans. Um, 
it comes down to a lack of understanding of God's sovereignty and his control. Um, and what I mean by that is God being the author and creator of all things and the one who ordains things to happen. Um, life is way too coincidental. And God even explains in his scripture that he makes all things to come. Um, and Isaiah says that the Lord does as he pleases. So if a man were to come in and begin to attack my wife and rape her, um, for me to shoot and kill him would not be something that would thwart God's plans. You know, if I, if God were to have that happen, like, um, it's not like if I would have waited a day, he might've been saved and brought into the kingdom. And, you know, um, we can't do anything to change God's eternal plans for whether people go to heaven or hell. Um, we don't have that power. Um, it says in scripture that God knows before the creation of the world, who will be his saints, who will be his sheep and who will be of his fold. Um, so I can't change that. <laughs> and for me to think that I shouldn't protect my family um, from a catastrophe because I don't want to be responsible of thwarting or changing God's plans was mm -hmm. an awful theology that um, was very wrong of me to think and left Emma with a big sort of worry because there was a lot going on with COVID and shortages and there's no bread, no milk and all this and... um. <laughs> Worried about people going crazy. <laughs> yeah, worried about people going crazy, and then she's talking to her that's husband. That's also when the riot. That's also when the riots are going on, and people are like literally being murdered on cold blood in the streets, and like and that was like the context of my concern was if that ended up getting out to where we were living. And Emma's asking her husband if he would protect her in a moment, and I'm thinking, well, you know, Jesus washed people's feet, <laughs> so. You know, I'd probably wash his feet first and then I'd take him down. <laughs> you know, like it's just nonsense and it's not what God created men to do. So that's our little story. It's sad but true and I'm glad the Lord has revealed truth. And they didn't put me in a situation like that where I was trying to love a murderer that kicked in my door. <laughs> you know, because I do, that would have been an awkward situation. <laughs> um, let alone being it completely wrong and missing the mark and making mm -hmm. my wife feel unloved and um mm -hmm. yeah giving up the things that god has given me mm -hmm. okay so emma so yeah so i guess you kind of went through in the beginning like what is if you just want to refer or re-say it to the audience what is our topic today like what are we going to be going over what are some points okay so we're going through why dangerous men are important in the church, in the families, in society. Mm -hmm. Why dangerous men um, and what to think about dangerous men. So what the world thinks about toxic masculinity, where they draw the line. Um, and then what God thinks about toxic masculinity, where he draws the line. Mm -hmm. So we'll be talking about that. Um, and then at the end, we'll give a few words to what it means to be raising dangerous men. Um, as well as how women are to view yeah. this. Yeah, it's not just a podcast for men to listen to only. Um, 
Yeah, our hope is in all of our episodes, even though, like our last one, it was targeted more towards women. But at the end, we had um, a challenge for the men. Mm-hmm. And then this will kind of be the same, where a majority of it's kind of challenged towards the men. But it's important for women to hear, because it's important for them how to view their sons. And for single ladies, it's important for them how to view the church. Yeah, and women have the most um, important role when they stay and raise the children. Um, men go out and work at jobs building other people's houses or working on other people's companies. And, you know, they're just fundraising for the most important matters where women have the most important role of raising up souls, raising up mortals that will make real mistakes and make real growth. And um, Mm -hmm. women need to understand what it, what a man should be that they should be raising their children into. So Mm -hmm. we hope this is um, a blessing for women as well this mm-hmm. podcast and for men and women in all different areas of life not just for men who are husbands and fathers mm-hmm. but for single men that are wanting to find their identity in true biblical masculinity mm-hmm. yeah so we're going to be talking about principles because our um our son is at a ripe age of five and a half months so <laughs> um he knows how to tear papers out of journals and he knows how to blow, blow bubbles, bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> if there's ever a blubble blowing hero, <laughs> it'd be ASAP. So. Um, okay, so we'll, okay, so let's get so we'll be talking track. about principles. So, we hope this is a blessing. Okay, so can you define? So, before you said um, that we're going to be talking about why dangerous men are important, and obviously that's going to be the title to this podcast, uh, but can you explain to me and to anyone who is listening um, what you mean by dangerous? Can you define what you mean with that word? Mm-hmm. So the first thing with the word dangerous is it's always precaution or cautionary when you hear the word dangerous, but the important is to dangerous to whom? Who is the man dangerous to? Um, a father who comes home late after a hard day's work and wants to take out his anger on those who are weaker and he's able to conquer with his might quickly um, and is dangerous to his family. That is not the man we are talking about and that is the man Mm -hmm. that we are saying is toxic and someone who um, sins against the Lord in the role that God has given him. What we're talking about is a man who is dangerous um, to the world for his family. Mm -hmm. Um, Children want to know that their father would protect them in Walmart if someone came running up. Mm -hmm. Um, Children want to know that a man um, has the capability of protecting and fighting for um, his family, Um, not just avoiding dangerous situations but if they were to arise the father would know and be able to um just give that security to the family so um and in that danger that children look at their father with their deeper voice and bigger body and um i I heard recently that the ratio of muscles on a man to a woman is woman is 60 percent of man being 100 and that's just the average muscle um, breakdown of how much a man has more than a woman. And when children look at their father as the leader and um, protector of their household, 
they want to see them as dangerous. They don't mm-hmm. they don't feel safe when their father is a pushover and um Same with the wife. She yeah. wants to see her husband as dangerous too. Right. Yeah, the wife feels most secure when her husband is dangerous. Um we don't need timid men who are um not standing up for their households. Mm-hmm. Um uh, can I say something? Mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about dangerous to whom we are to be dangerous to, I think it's important for people to realize that there will always be evil men. But so dangerous is not good or bad. It's just the definition of the good man. Like there mm-hmm. will always be evil men, but you need dangerous good men to fight the evil men. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, I, I feel think like that's a way a way to break it down. Right. Yeah. The word dangerous is not intrinsically bad. Um, there's many things like the word gun is not intrinsically bad. A gun can be an awful thing in a villain's hand. Um, and a gun can be an amazing, wonderful thing in a hero's hand. Mm -hmm. Um, gun is not intrinsically bad or good. It's completely, you know, so when it comes to being dangerous, it's who is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, so we also, um, want to be dangerous in certain ways. So we want to be dangerous in how we can put our foot down verbally and speak to what is right and um, to keep our family to where they're protected around people, that people aren't disrespecting your family and you have nothing to say but look past it as though, well, they're not messing with you directly, so your family gets the brood of it. Um, but also a man is to be dangerous in that um, with God building the man as he is, as being the stronger of the two. Um, a man should be physically able to protect his family. Um, a man that goes to the gym and... Um, that's another thing. Like Going to the gym isn't intrinsically good. Um, many people think that it is just one of those good things because in America we worship and idolize health and we idolize, um, I can't think of another word, just those things of, um, promoting better health and safety and security and longevity. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that we really focus on, but going to the gym can be bad. And if you are doing it for, um, building up your pride of who you are, um, mm. hiding behind an image. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to the gym so you can wear tight shirts out in public and show off and see how many people look or posting pictures on Instagram, um, that is the wrong reason to go to the gym. And the gym is would be wrong for you in that nature. Kind of like the um, quote that we heard the other day of, um, oh, what is it? Uh life life is more than clothes and the body is more than food and muscles are more than instagram mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. like what are your muscles for if they're not for protecting mm-hmm. and for being attractive to your wife <laughs> right um right so so you need to be dangerous in um not just being able to verbally stand up for your household but also to have a body that would be able to protect. And in many of the jobs that people have today where they 
don't do a physically strenuous job um, and their testosterone um, isn't as strong because of their inactivity, a gym can be an amazing, very beneficial, very helpful thing to have a man grow in being a man um, to be strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's not one of those things where gym is good, gym is bad, you know. It's just what are you doing it for? Mm -hmm. So those are the two different ways that men can be dangerous. Um, Another thing that I want to say is... um, in the culture that we live in where men have the opportunity to buy firearms and have that capability of protecting their household, I believe um, every man should be capable of putting down a threat as soon as they were to come in. Um, To kick in a door doesn't take any effort and it doesn't break where the bolt is, it breaks where the hinges are on the um, door and the hinge screws are not very deep and it splinters out in the framework of the door and it'll collapse in in one to two kicks like it's pathetic with most front doors and if someone kicks in your door and you call the cops you have 10 minutes until the cops are going to get there but you have to deal with that intruder in less than a minute um and if you don't have a gun and you're just throwing stuff at him, um, it's just, it's not, it's not wise. You know, we, we live in a generation of chaos. We live in a generation where there's school shootings and break-ins and people taking what they want because they don't have any reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a man to not have means of protecting his household when someone kicks in their door um, wouldn't be dangerous, you know? So that's another way that men should have something to where they can put up a fight, you know? It goes back to the, there will always be evil men. You need to be dangerous. There will always be evil men that can have their hands on weapons, Mm -hmm. and you need to have good men that can fight equally against those weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, if we were to go back just like 500 years, like I would be, on, of course, not on a podcast, but we'd be writing a letter <laughs> to whoever were to read our blogs back then that every man should have a sword in his house. You know, someone's going to, I don't know what if they kick in doors back then or what the doors were like. Jesus but, told his own disciples to carry swords. Yeah. Sell your tunic to get a sword. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely that. So. You know, I would be encouraging men to have a sword then, you know, like, um, we're going to sword now, carry a sword and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't carry a sword when someone can throw rocks at super speed with the click of a button. Um, <laughs> I think you should have the same capabilities as someone that kicks in your door. So I would encourage that. That is another way that men can be dangerous. Um, can you think of any other ways that men should be dangerous? Being verbally dangerous, being physically dangerous, and then... Resourcefully dangerous is what you just kind of touched on. Yeah, resources, like having a gun. Um, think I think wisdom. Like, um, men, I guess, I guess it's just actually just going into manhood is not necessarily dangerous, but I think of, like, threats in the church of improper teaching. You know, mm-hmm. that that's a threat against your family's um, 
spirituality. You need to be dangerous in that you know the scriptures, you know the word, and you know how to refute somebody. You know how to biblically rebuke somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's another important aspect for Christian households. That yeah, that's that's definitely true. So in the church, um, you don't have trouble that comes from outside the doors. Um, outside the door influences will never break apart a church and ruin fellowship. It always comes from inside the church. It always comes from um, heresies that are untrue that bring about dissension and um, complication and wrong views of God and um, confusion. Um, and another way to be dangerous, that's a really good point, is to know the word and to know what is right and to not allow false notions or understandings of who God is and what it means to worship him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even that one that we talked about in the beginning of not protecting your family because mm-hmm. you don't want to like, you know, like that's something God's that... sovereignty, yeah. Yeah, God's sovereignty, his control, like... A man should be dangerous with the word in that he stands for it unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Jesus Christ laid it out for us and told us that the world hated him. And how are we to be surprised that the world hates us as well when we stand for truth? Mm-hmm. Um, and a man who is not courageous in what is true um, isn't being dangerous. He, you know, he's being a toothpick and... Toothpicks are broken easily by those who want to take advantage. Um, mm-hmm. So for the protection of your church and the growth in your family, um, men are to be the priest of their households, the ones responsible for leading the family in devotions. Um, the family will only be as devoted to the Lord as you are. So um, for men to give up doctrine to those who get to study it, you know, at, and give sermons, is to be passive and, um, yeah, to not be dangerous when it comes to truth. Um, that's definitely another way. Mm-hmm. That's a super good one. I didn't even think of that one. Um, okay, so just to keep moving along here. Um, well, what is the difference between the world's definition of toxic masculinity and true toxic masculinity? So, if we look to the wise counsel of Google, (laughs) um, it says toxic masculinity can be defined as the need to aggressively compete and dominate others and encompasses the most problematic productivities. Proclivities. Oh, proclivities. Sorry, my handwriting got a little sloppy. Oh, I thought that was a D. Proclivities (laughs) in men. So I guess I'll expand upon this like one a little bit just mm. because um, there are obviously a lot of um, men out there that are buying this lie that their masculinity is toxic. Um, but um, I guess right now, do you want to do you want to read that one quote from? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, because um, as he's getting that pulled up, I'll just kind of preface it with a lot of. Men, obviously, we're going to touch on what is actual toxic masculinity. But a lot of men are buying this notion that they need to apologize for being men. And 
the, every aspect of being a man, everything that defines a man naturally from birth is now being referred to as toxic because it's stereotypical and it's, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and share this quote from yeah. the book. I, oh, before I forget about that train of thought that you were on, uh-huh. um, this isn't something new in our culture just this year. You know, this has been something that has been subtle but progressively growing in our culture of men being ashamed for being men and boys being ashamed for growing into men. Um, the amount of young like boys that are prescribed Adderalls because they want to conquer and get up and move around in the classroom and don't sit subtly um, and subdued and like um, our cultures hadn't uh, definitely effect of like not taking care of our children as well, the way that we should instead of giving men or giving boys opportunity to um, have their energy dispersed and worked out through um, things at home whether it be working or um, just being more lenient when the boy wants to move around um, because that's the way God created him instead of um, seeing the boy as a boy and not just a unit. Our culture has tried to prescribe him drugs to subdue him to where he will sit and focus. Um, And that's been very destructive to where the virtues of being a man are looked down upon. Um, And it's put into a very small box that... um, men feel as though to be a good man they are to act as a deep-voiced woman one who keeps all things neat and very proper and you know um oh yeah i um i googled as well today just curious what google would say um but i said what is uh what are some bible verses about toxic masculinity and the very first Thing that came up when it just you know says like in bold letters after you search if you know what I mean mm-hmm. um it's I don't remember what exactly it said but it says something along the lines of um biblical masculinity completely refutes the world's definition of or of toxic masculinity um the bible teaches that men should not be um strong or aggressive it teaches that men should just be gentle and patient <laughs> and quiet and I'm pretty sure those verses that they shared are actually verses in the Bible that talked about women. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, they missed the mark on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's many times in Scripture where um, men need to stand up for things that are honorable and good. Um, when Joab was leading the armies, there was a, an army attacking from a one side it might have been i don't know if it was the north but it was one side and then another army attacking from the other so joab said to the other commander we're going to split up you're going to go south we're going north let it be let the lord do what pleases him but we're going to fight regardless whether we die or not um Mm. and it talks about that not as being wrong for men to fight and protect and um, lay down their lives for the people that they love. Um, that's a beautiful thing. And, um, Mm -hmm. um, there's many other scenarios, definitely the 
different judges in the Old Testament. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the scripture where it talks more about... Yeah, you want to share that quote before yeah. we get to a topic? Okay, so yeah. This is in um, a phenomenal book that I've really enjoyed. I've listened to a number of times on the Canon app. It's called It's Good to Be a Man by Michael Foster and Dominic Bannon Tenton. Um, but this is just a quote from in there. So it says, Girls are taught to be more masculine because masculine achievements are the ones that matter. Boys to be more feminine because the masculine nature is toxic and disgusting. (laughs) They grow up believing that it's not good to be their sex. They therefore have no clue how to live as God designed them. And that is very true. And that is the generation that we're living in where there's so much double-mindedness and Mm -hmm. unsurety that men don't know how to conduct themselves. They don't know whether or not they should be firm on things or if all of their natural inclinations to be um, prominent and sure of themselves and confident or if those are all wrong. Um, Mm. We live in a very delusional and problematic culture um, to where men are not on mission. Men are very passive and... um, Women desire a man to be on mission. Women want to come alongside a man and help him and know that they are being led towards a purpose. Mm-hmm. Men don't want, or women don't want a man who just wants to sit aloof on the couch and let the woman want or have whatever she wants. If a man won't stand up to his wife, she very soon understands that if he won't stand up to me being a girl, he won't stand up to another man who would come against me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think when we're talking, they don't even know how, did, how was it worded at the end. Um, yeah, they have no idea or no clue how to live as God designed them. I think that because um, I'm going to get into talking about some examples um, from the world of toxic masculinity. A big thing that people talk about is stereotypes, is that it's toxic masculinity to be a stereotype. It's a stereotype of being strong a stereotype of um being um having a desire to conquer and dominate it's Mm -hmm. um it's stereotypical and toxic to um to be to be able to take a a beating you know and not not, Mm -hmm. you know i mean to be able to take a paintball or to just be rough you know and and if there, there is a lot of Christians out there that believe that stereotyping gender roles is wrong. And, and I don't, I, I understand the lie that they buy into, but I don't understand how they can defend that biblically. Um, it, I, we don't need to go into it and take up our time on this podcast or in this episode. Um, for those of you guys who are listening in our first episode, we discussed why gender roles are important how God designed them, and we addressed how when you defy God's design, you are denying him as the authority and as the author of our gender identities, our gender roles, and you are just going to defy him as the um, authority in all other areas. Mm-hmm. You know, If you can't even uh, obey him and acknowledge him as the creator of 
who you are as a man or as a woman, then how are you going to obey him and how are you going to revere him in any other area, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we also talked about how um, the roles aren't um, concrete. Like there are specific situations where different circumstances work out you know like if the woman has a job like there's nothing wrong with that you know so we talked about that but also like um like god designed women to do certain things he got designed them with certain strengths certain purposes Mm -hmm. and he designed men to be strong in certain areas and given them purposes Mm -hmm. and to try and go with the trend and flip things around and do things the opposite is to go against the framework and the building that God has put into Mm -hmm. your DNA as a human being. Mm -hmm. And to do that is only to frustrate yourself, to confuse the marriage and what it is to be close and understanding one another. And And we're going to, you know, even we struggled with that, you know, before, but people who are continuing to live in that are going to be held accountable but for that, for the Lord, because they are falsely, they're sharing a false gospel by how they're living out their own mm-hmm. identities. But I think, um, I don't think we need to, I was going to go into some examples of how the world sees toxic masculinity, but I think anybody that has Instagram or Facebook can see very clearly that and mm-hmm. just how everything and anything is just an offense to women now of your husband wants to be a leader and wants to protect you when someone's rude to you. And a woman's like, I don't need your protection. I can defend myself. Mm -hmm. Or if a husband's like, I want to be the breadwinner and I want to provide for you. And she's like, I don't need you to provide for me. I can make my own money, you know? And again, that's not that those things are wrong. Like it's good for a woman to be able to stand up for herself when her husband's not there. But a lot of women get upset if, you know, or you see there's videos that I've seen online of, you know, where a man, like, runs up and takes a door from her girl so he can hold it for their girls, and, like, all these feminists just freak out. Like, who do you think you are? Like, mm-hmm. we can hold the door first. It's just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I can, I, I'm not saying, like, how stupid. Like, it's sad. It, it, it mm-hmm. honestly is. And that, there has definitely been season in my life where I would struggle with that, you know? Like, even, I was thinking this week back in, like, college and high school, how I was thinking, like, I don't need no man. Like, I'm never going to get married. I'm fine by myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I, that's part of the reason why I didn't even want to date you, because I was like, I don't even want to be in a relationship. I'm mm-hmm. just fine thriving on my own, you mm-hmm. know? And and God does call some people to that, and he gives them the grace for that, and he has a great purpose for some single ladies out there. But mm-hmm. the perspective that I had of I can do it on my own. I don't need to be. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, Paul talks about a, a spiritual gift of celibacy of not being married. And the Apostle Paul had that gift. Um, and that's not the normative, but that's the exception of rare situations where someone is in that season or has that gift of being single but the normal framework um that god's given for the world he said that it's not good for man to be alone Mm -hmm. and um the thing about the god that we serve is he is a very firm and has very strong masculine characteristics but he also has very feminine characteristics um god loves 
and is compassionate more than any mother has ever been compassionate. God is fierce and protecting and strong more than any man has ever been fierce, protecting, and strong. Um, God talks about how... um, Yeah, I guess I'm just going off on a tangent, but in the book of Ezekiel, he talks about his um, motherly care for Israel and how much he loves and takes care of the... um, he talks about it being a babe in the wilderness that's just mm-hmm. left there crying and how he t- and so lord is the fullness and when men and women are together they image the fullness of god and that's mm-hmm. why it's not good for man to be alone because he mm-hmm. put intrinsic characteristics in the man and the woman to image god in the fullness so when you want to raise a child, um, you don't want to give him half of God's characteristics. You know, mm-hmm. like it is most beneficial. Kind of like what we shared in previous episodes that we're not egalitarian, we're complementarian. Mm-hmm. God designed us to complement each other, to replicate or to um, represent Him. We believe in the biblical patriarchy of the man being the head and the woman being the submissive helper that comes along in mission to support and cheerlead and (laughs) yeah it's a very clear role it's not that i'm just here to be drugged along Mm -hmm. dragged along however they say it but no it's like it's a beautiful part that i get to partake in your mission you know Mm -hmm. and when we stopped when i stopped asking emma to lead with everything her anxiety left she didn't feel anxious about um, trying to lead our household and trying to do all of the things. Not when, that that was all on you. I don't want wives out there to be like, well, whenever my husband starts leading, I won't be anxious. It's like, no, I definitely was still growing. And it still mm-hmm. is a growing process for me. Just even like last week, you know, I still I still struggle a lot and I need accountability from other women. So it's still a sin issue that I have to deal with in my own heart. But a lot of it is easier when you're leading me out of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but let's get into yeah, um, what, sorry. yeah, no, no, it's okay. I thought what you said was really, really good, and I'm glad you went on that little tangent. Um, but Will, do you want to share with us, um, just a couple verses on what God says about how He designed man to be as a dangerous man, as a masculine man? So, in the beginning, in Genesis 1, the very beginning of the creation, the entire world, when God created man. He said in Genesis 1, 26, he said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over all of the fish of the sea, all the birds of the heavens, every living creature that moves on the earth. Um, so in that verse, God says that he created man to be his image, his representatives. So God started the world and made all of these creatures and all of this ecosystem and the entire layout of how the world is to sustain itself and to work um, with the animal kingdom 
in all areas, and he tells man to look after it as his representative. He told man to um, subdue and have dominion, and that is for man to rule over the world. And that is our commission that God gave at the very beginning. It's not that God has given a new commission and that one's now void. Um, he has not voided this check. This is still commissioned to each man that we are to subdue and have dominion of the world and to conquer. When man learns all these beautiful and wonderful things about the creatures and understands um, how certain things that have happened that have hurt the creatures... It's man's responsibility to fix and help the creatures um, in our way. You know, man should be not throwing things out as windows and trashing the planet. Man Mm -hmm. is responsible for what he does and the impact that he has on this planet. Um, And man is is also important to take care of the livestock for how God has given it. Not that we're supposed to not kill any of the animals because it's very clear in scripture that he gave animals for men to eat and is good and beneficial. Mm -hmm. But man is also to take care of the well-being of animals. Mm -hmm. The beasts are not meant for God or for men to kick around. Um, There's several points in scripture where God talks about domestic abuse to your animals is sinful and wrong. Um, I think also I kind of want to share this um, without obviously going into too much detail. Um, but in the It's Good to Be a Man book that you read from earlier, he talked about how this goes down all the way to just even the hormones that God's given man, of uh, the testosterone. And he, in the book It's Good to Be a Man, he talks about how it's man's sex drive that has made um, civilizations, mm-hmm. of how God designed man with a hormone to have the desire to conquer. And obviously God designed that in the marriage bed, you know, Mm -hmm. and obviously in a non gross way, but like in a, in a healthy way that you would conquer that. And then, but then also God designed that, that you would conquer the world, that you would go out from there. In the book, it's good to be a man. He talked about how he goes from his household into society and that builds a society and conquering society builds a civilization and Mm -hmm. how God designed man to, rule in that way like every single inch of your dna was designed for that it's not just like some desire god gave you like you're born with a desire like ooh, this sounds fun i'm gonna subdue the earth and have dominion over the earth Mm -hmm. it's like no god literally designed your dna with hormones that drive you to that right yeah and we definitely see that when you see men really appreciating their tools more than any woman could ever care about (laughs) Um, and not just tools, but like how computers work and just the way that men have a desire to learn how things operate, to work them, to have dominion. Uh, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed a blog post that Douglas Wilson had where he just talked about testosterone does stuff and we wouldn't have any of this good stuff and all of these blessings of microwaves and Mm -hmm. getting to the moon, if it didn't come for testosterone, if it didn't come for man wanting to conquer Mm -hmm. and learn and have dominion of his planet. So if we are to start saying that man is wrong for having dominion, man is wrong for wanting to rule over this planet, that is like people barking in their uh, 
completely weather controlled households with their perfect um, clothing and their wonderful microwaves and ovens and all these perfect things about how all of these things that men have done to have dominion are bad and we should return to caves and rocks and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it's just I it's nonsense clear, though that like um just because guys like to trinket and or you know dwindle things does not mean that women don't like that either like god mm-hmm. also we are all made in god's likeness so there are some things that like will kind of drift back in, in and out between oh, like some guys might have a a desire to, I don't know, learn how to, or for painting, some guys can paint, you know. And, or homemaking. Yeah, you know? and so, like, there's some things that can kind of fluctuate in and out, but when it comes to the core of the average, like, man is to conquer, mm-hmm. you know, and generally with that comes the desire for, like, you, for instance, you love taking apart things, and I don't understand. It makes me anxious even watching you. You will get a new tool or a new weapon or something and you will just completely dismantle it. And I'm like, Whoa, that would stress me out. (laughs) You know, by this, I love seeing the difference. I think the more we embrace God's design for us to be different, the more I appreciate it. But yeah, we got to keep moving on Mm -hmm. for, so we can get through those. You want to keep reading us some verses? Yeah. So the next verse that we have for what God says about man, is also in Genesis chapter two, um, verse 15, where it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So he gave, he put man in a place that needed work. A garden is not something that just flourishes. You plant the seeds, walk away, you come back, pick stuff. You have to work the ground. You have to um, weed it. You have to prune it. You have to till it. it. You have to do it. There's so many different things. Water it when it's dry. Um, You gave man a job immediately the and that was before the fall too i think that's important for people to know that's also very important to know that um man was given work before you know the curse of Mm -hmm. death you know the death and the curse have nothing to do with work work is something that's pleasant to the lord and we should do all things for god's glory whether you work for pagans that hate the lord and hate god and curse him with each breath (laughs) or if you work for those who love the lord all work should be done unto the lord and you should work hard because you are not working um only for this world things that will perish but you're working because that's what god designed man to do but the second thing that he says is to keep it um and the hebrew definition to keep it is to watch over or to guard it or to preserve it And those are the different ways that that word is used in the Hebrew. So man was given a garden to work, and then he was given a garden to protect. Mm -hmm. Man is not given a garden, and then, you know, if someone comes and takes it, they take it. You know, man is to protect what he puts his hands and what he does. So when man... Back to the nature of God gave man the nature of working and protecting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when ma- and when God gives man a wife and children, um he is to work his family, to grow his family, to minister to them as he reads the word and talks and prays over his family and he is also them. protect them. Um so that is the biblical mandate that God has given since the very beginning, the very creation. By the time that Adam had just a little bit of breath in his lungs, God was giving him something to work at and something to protect. 
and we're not going to, in our postmodern or our new age thinking, all of a sudden evolve into something different that is going to be contrary to the original purposes that God has laid out since literally day one of the entire universe. So it is in the bones and the foundation and the grounds of what a man was created to be and who he is. So the next verse that I have is in 1 Corinthians 6.13. 16. 1 Corinthians 16.13. So it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And this is Paul talking to the Corinth church and giving them an exhortation and a benediction to stand firm in the faith. And that's like in the beginning where we're talking about being dangerous with doctrine, being dangerous Mm -hmm. to stand up against heresy and to not be compromising or timid when it comes to truth. I like that, be dangerous with doctrine. Mm -hmm. So that is where he is saying, act like men and be strong. And that is what Paul says, and that is what the Holy Paul's Spirit says. stereotyping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so stereotypes are not intrinsically bad. Some stereotypes are bad, some are not. You mm-hmm. know, when it says men are strong, that's not a bad stereotype, Mm-mm. you know. But there are stereotypes that can be wrong, you know. Um, there's certain exhortations that Scripture gives to men that they don't give to women. There's scripture or mm-hmm. exhortations they give to women that you don't give to men. There's nowhere in scripture where anybody's talking to the men, telling them not to be quarrelsome and fearful. And um, God knows who he created and he knows the strengths and weaknesses that men and women have. And he encourages them where they're at mm-hmm. um, by the distinctives that he has created in their DNA. So do you want to share then um, the passage in Titus 1 where it talks about, um, well, it's giving, you can just explain it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so the final verse that we have is what real toxic masculinity is. So we know what it's not in the world, um, but if we look to scripture, um, the best place where it gives the longest and most exhaustive roles to what a man is to be is where it gives the ramifications and expectations for an elder in the church someone who is the shepherd and watcher of the church it gives out things that okay so to end will can you please share with us um the passage in titus where um, it just talks about true masculinity and share how the opposite can be um the biblical definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah. So in Titus 1, it starts with giving the qualifications for what an elder um, man is to be in the church. And going through those qualifications, we can understand what the Bible thinks um, is godly masculinity. So the reverse would be toxic masculinity. So let's go through it. Starting off in verse 6, it says, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach, 
You must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine Mm -hmm. and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Mm -hmm. So to go back through to understand what it's saying, um, to reiterate the points that they're saying, is it starts off with saying that the man is to be above reproach. Um, A man is not to put himself in compromising situations where people could suspect the wrong. Um, He's not supposed to put himself in situations that are on the border or the line, um, such as spending alone time um, with a woman who is not his wife or um, just anything that would make people um, speculate something um, is amiss. The second, it says that the husband is of one wife. Um, This is to mean that um, man is to be loyal and devoted to his household. Um, There's other passages that talk about um, a man if he wants to serve in the church, needs to serve his household first. If he can lead his household in righteousness and protect and care for them and um, grow his household, then he can also do it in the church. And in the opposite, a man who does not grow his household and is not loyal and um, loving to his wife, um, he is not a man that is um, godly in that perspective so um you also talked about before of just like objectifying women of how that's another mm -hmm. form of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. yeah when it talks about a woman woman wife um is a man who has eyes for only his wife and not looking around and objectifying women um just as something pleasurable to look at um so to use the the opposite of what the scripture is saying. It gives clarity that toxic masculinity is those who do not hold to one wife. They are looking elsewhere and interacting elsewhere, and that is toxic. Um, That is bad. Um, The next one is his children are believers and not in trouble in any way. Um, This has to come back to him working and protecting his family. Mm-hmm. Um, our children are not rebellious and, um, they are rebellious, but it's, we don't give license to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, a man has the opportunity to raise his family right and raise them in discipline and teach them in the way that they should go and being involved in their life. And a man who has his family falling apart with black sheep, um, that disqualifies a man from ministry and a man who gives up his family to the world or wickedness is toxic and he is not protecting or taking care of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says he cannot be arrogant. Um, I mean, that's very clear um, why that would be toxic for a man to be arrogant and prideful and full of himself. 
Um, mm-hmm. Quick tempered. It talks about how he should be slow to anger. Um, God says that he is slow to anger, um, and man is to be growing in the likeness of God. Um, God does not fly off the handle and emotion and passion and destroy people. Um, but it says that he is steadfast love and slow to anger and patient and merciful. And so should men be, or else they will be toxic and destructive to those around him and himself. Mm-hmm. The next it says a drunkard. Um, this doesn't um, only refer to alcohol. Someone could be a drunkard when it comes to um, different types of drugs, psychedelics, uppers or downers. Um, mm-hmm. um, just a man who consumes for a loss of um, consciousness and um, just losing capability of controlling himself um, through substances. The next one says violent. A man is not to be um, violent and looking for fights. He should be able and ready to defend, but um, I can't remember what it was in Lord of the Rings, but it was beautiful. Faramir was talking about he doesn't love um, the arrow because of its swiftness or the sword because of its sharpness, but he loves the arrow and the sword because of what it protects. Hmm. Um, And that's what a man should do. He should be able to defend and protect his household, not for the sake of being violent and picking a fight, but being able to defend his family because of what he loves. Hmm. A man fights for what is behind him. He doesn't fight to destroy what's in front of him. Um, So, yeah, men cannot be violent, should not be violent, or else they will be toxic to themselves and to those around them. Greedy for gain. Um, That goes kind of under the arrogant and um, building up for themselves. Um, Men are to provide and take care of their households, but scripture is very clear about a man who um, worships um, security and worships income and um, just consumes himself with raking in as much as he has. There's a parable of a man who had a full storehouse and then he built another bigger storehouse and he died that night. And Jesus just talked about in that parable about how we should not be greedy for things of this world. We have enough and we are provided for and um, we should not be focused only on building our kingdom here. Um, we should be only focused on building his kingdom here because his kingdom is the only one that will last. There's a verse in Proverbs. I don't remember um, where or how to quote it exactly, but it says, give me neither poverty nor riches that I would never blaspheme the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I love that verse. Yeah. That if we have too little, then we would curse God, or if we have too much, then we'd forget him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, in the beginning of Robinson Crusoe, that old book about a castaway is a Christian book. And um, he talks about how that was something that his father had always reminded him of, is not to have too much or too little, but to pray for God to give you enough and to be content with what you have. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful heart to have consistently when you're thinking about how much to provide for your household. Because mm-hmm. um, both 
sides of the road. They're ditches, and they're not helpful, but they're toxic for the family and for you as well. The next one says being hospitable. A man should be open and loving to give to the poor and the needy and to welcome others in and bless them with the blessings that he has been given. Um, yeah, we are not given blessings and good things so that we can hoard them and thank the Lord and keep them for ourselves, but we are given things to give them out. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's um, a very clear passage there. It also comes to the fact of the Holy Spirit. When you are saved and the Holy Spirit comes into you, it's not to stay there. It is for you to give out what you have received. So it's a continual process of receiving things and being able to give them out. Mm -hmm. um, and that has to do with being hospitable. The next one says a lover of good. Um, this comes to a man's perspective on what is good and righteous and what the Lord says is holy and set apart for him. Um, when man is taken up by wickedness, he becomes a lover of evil and things that displease God. Um, mm -hmm. And the law is written on man's hearts. <coughs> and our conscience bears witness to that. Um, so a man should be a lover of good and toxic men are lovers of evil and it comes out in how they act and what they do. Mm -hmm. The next one says self-controlled. A man should be able to hold himself. He shouldn't need um, things to sustain him. Um, <coughs> no, thank you. Um, yeah, he shouldn't he shouldn't have needs that um, he has to have. He should be able to run on water and food and the word of the Lord. Um, he shouldn't need um, other things. Not that other things can't be pleasant, but to be controlled or domineered by these things mm -hmm. brings about toxic masculinity. Um, the next one says upright, and that has to do with the lover of good. Um, and being righteous and loving what is righteous. The next one, it says that a man should be holy. Holy um, in the sense of being set apart for a purpose. Mm. Um, that's what holiness means. Um, when God is holy, 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 he is ultimately set apart from all things. He is no darkness in him. There isn't a shadow. He is completely in the light. And um, a man working in a environment with um, other unbelievers or um, watching, taking in media, a man should be set apart for God's purpose and not... And a mission. A man needs a mission. Mm -hmm. you know, and toxic masculinity is when a man forsakes any type of mission and just kind of lives for the pleasant moment by moment, but mm -hmm. his mission is to glorify God. <clears throat> right. Yeah, and grow in holiness uh, of being set apart um, not mixing with the mire and the dirt, mm -hmm. um, trying to reach the lost by sinning yourself is an awful, disgusting lie, um, which was in the garden. That's what Adam did with Eve. Um, the next one says disciplined. Um, 
a man who knows how to conduct himself and knows um, how to keep himself, a man that knows how to repent um, when he does things wrong and falls and misses the mark. He knows how to apologize and take full ownership, not to give excuses. Well, this is why it happened, or this is what caused me to do it. And if this circumstance was different, it would have been easier. But a man needs to repent like a man and to say, I was wrong. I knew what I was doing and I did it and it was wrong. And I need to ask for forgiveness and then doing the opposite not doing it just to get people off his back, but feeling grieved. And you can tell when godly repentance is there, when a man um, takes the punishment of the consequences for his actions with joy, knowing that he is getting what he deserves. Um, you, we see this with David and his mistakes. When he talks about in the Psalms, he had godly repentance when he made massive, awful mistakes um, he didn't throw a pity party or try and point fingers at anybody else, but he took his punishment and consequences with grief, but also a fullness and um, was completely ready to own up to it. So that's how a man can be disciplined. And those men who do not act as men, but make excuses and do not um, repent as God has given them to do, um, they're toxic and they bring about and something. I'm destruction. Very, very grateful to be a, a wife of a husband who excels in that area. Something mm -hmm. I've been very grateful for in you. Just mm -hmm. you take responsibility and are disciplined. <clears throat> I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And then the last one says that he should be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. A man who holds to truth should know what his truth is. Um, if we have a worldview, um, that we believe in, we should know things about it. If we are standing on the sovereignty and good grace of the Lord, we should consistently examine it and be able to explain it. Mm -hmm. We're not to close our eyes and look off in the distance. And, um, God has given us such beautiful, very extensive book that explains the worldview that we have and the way things work and how he is involved directly with our lives and what his plans are for the future and um, how he interacts with us today and how we can work things through the church and how our churches bless us and bless others. And a man who gives up um, learning about the doctrines um, is toxic because he is thrown about by every wind of doctrine. Um, and that's what Paul was encouraging Timothy to not be, to not be thrown every which way when different heresies and falsities come into the church, but to know the word and hold it fast. Mm -hmm. Um, you should examine the worldview that holds you. Um, so that, that is to go through and talk about what God says about godly masculinity and what a man is to be, um, particularly in an elder position in the church. But to look in the reverse, it's very clear what God thinks of toxic masculinity. So, in the last bit of our podcast, I'm going to ask Emma, how does this pertain to women? 
Um, I would say uh, it pertains to us in a couple of different ways. For wives, it pertains to us and how... Well, let me first speak to singles. Let's speak to singles, then wives, then moms. Um, singles, it pertains to you because you need to have... If you want to have godly masculinity in the church, then you also need to be a godly a godly feminine woman. You know, you need to have both to complement each other and to encourage each other. If you, as a single woman, are trying to act like a man in the church, you're trying to be having masculine attributes, then the men aren't going to step up to that need. You need to be feminine. You need to be encouraging. You need to edify those roles in the church. Would you say so? For- mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women are not just to not say anything, but women have just as big of a part mm-hmm. um, in the church learning that they can teach home and know what is right and but speaking i'm just speaking for single ladies though mm-hmm. it's yeah. just that you have to have both to encourage each other if the so yeah and then speaking on to wives it's important for you to know and understand what a dangerous man is so then that way you can encourage your husband in his mission and the what is a woman episode that we spoke on last week or the week before that um, we discussed a woman's role as a wife is to um, encourage her her husband in his mission and part of encouraging his mission is his mission to be a dangerous man to be a protector to be a provider to um, be just rough all around too many wives want their husbands to be meek and gentle and they in doing so are taking their husbands away from the role that God has called them to. Um, and then for mothers. Here, uh, um, so yeah, based upon what you were just saying and as far as that, um, as far as wives, another, yeah, a reason that a wife needs to know what a dangerous man, man is to be is because in, during the fall and with the curse, part of the curse was that the woman, her desire, um, he says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And it's talking about how the wife desires to be in control of the husband. And when the husband um, starts to want to be a stronger leader and starts um, being more domineering in the righteous way, um, leading his household in truth and um, making changes for different things that he sees as being holy and set apart, um, the woman, um, because considering the fall, will want to rule over the husband as well. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to bring that in that it's um. It's a part. It's part of the curse that women want to rule over their husbands. So mm-hmm. would they need to be more cautious? Um, I would. It also reminded me of Genesis. Um, 2.24 where it says that is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united his wife and they become one flesh. 
Um, going back to single ladies, I would say it's important for you to understand what a dangerous man is so that one, you would not marry an evil dangerous man. Um, because a lot of times women are drawn to that rougher guy, even the jerks, because a woman knows that it's attractive and she knows that she wants a dangerous man to stand up to her and to others. Um, but you know, when you are leaving your father and mother and being united to your husband, you also need to know that you're going to be marrying a man and submitting to a man who is going to be dangerous for you. Um, but yes, but lastly, I just wanted to talk about mothers with raising sons. So, um, this is something by Andy Wilson. He shares in his podcast, Stories or Soul Food. He says, for boys 10 to 13, it's really important as a mom, especially, that you be a friend and a surprising challenger. You want to be kind, you want to be the kind of mom where your sons come home and you say, hey, I got you something, and it's a hatchet. And you say, try to keep all your fingers, but if you don't, no crying. If a boy is coming of age, you need to realize that the world is rated R, and you're trying to prepare him to go matter. To grow up into something scary to the forces of darkness. This is the kind of motherhood that will get him there. If a boy is coming of age, you need to re- oh, sorry. take off the training wheels and let him engage with this world. A little more knowledge about evil and good. That means handing him books that are a little more violent than he would expect you to want him to read. You should be engaging with the Old Testament in a way that is not always trying to protect him and make everything G-rated. Put your head together with your husband. What do we need to do for Johnny? He might just need a knife and some time in the woods. Be wise and cautious in how you open these doors, but be aware that he's turning into a man. If you want him to be a hero, he's got to be able to take a couple paintballs to the chest and be okay. I would say to the moms out there that are listening to this, it's really important for moms to understand that while, yes, we are to be um, the comforters and the nurturers and the ones that love the children and are gentle with them, we need to make sure that we're not coddling our sons. We need to make sure that we are treating our sons like men, giving them responsibilities at a young age, um, treating them with toughness and, you know, not doing the stereotypical boys never cry, don't you dare cry, but expecting him to be a little tougher than his sisters and expecting him to um, to be more masculine about certain things, but also teaching him that the Lord did give emotions and the Lord did give, um, a gentle side and, um, a side that is compassionate and tender and, and that's okay for him to cry, but it's important for moms to not coddle their sons. And it's important for moms to recognize that they've been entrusted with the role of raising up their her husband's children and in doing so she has to take on the responsibility of making sure that she is raising up um women that honor god in their gender identity and raising up men that honor god in their gender identity so i think that concludes all of yeah, my thoughts yeah i think that covers it well thank you guys so much for coming along and listening with us mm-hmm. um this was a longer episode we had a lot to talk about, and I tried to listen to a book to um, listen about biblical masculinity and um, try to put it all in. So 
Mm. We hope it was a blessing for you guys. Um, we really enjoyed going through it. Mm. And yeah, go ahead and feel free to like, um, subscribe. I've gotten a lot of um, text messages the last few weeks asking when we're planning on doing another one. Um, but if you guys just go ahead and subscribe, it will give you a notification as well as it will help put our podcast out there because the more um, likes and subscriptions that we have, um, the more it kind of boosts our podcast up on the suggested list for others to reach. Um, so yeah, so go ahead and do that. Oh, also, if you want to follow us on at Christ Loving Wife, the Instagram page, um, we do daily updates there and we also share about our podcast on there. Mm-hmm. But we hope you all have a great rest of your day or night. Mm-hmm. Grace and peace. Thank you for coming. Bye-bye. Bye.